This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the $100 billion budget approved by state lawmakers has now received the governor's blessing. This budget responsibly supports our men and women in law enforcement, our K-12 education students and teachers, conserves and protects our great environmental and natural resources uh, throughout the state of Florida, but does so in a way that has the lowest per capita tax burden of any state in the country. Ron DeSantis held a press conference in New Smyrna Beach to sign the budget. Then he did it all over again a couple of hours later in Zephyr Hills. The governor also vetoed more than 140 spending projects in the budget, including his own pet project, a billion-dollar fund using federal COVID bucks to respond to future disasters and emergencies. Between the time I called for it and the, and, and the legislature passed it and the present, the federal government issued uh, guidance on how you could use the funds. They said you can't use it for the purpose that we wanted to use it for. We also heard the governor's first official reaction to Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed's announcement that she will run for governor. You know, Nikki Freed has done nothing in office. She does nothing. Actually, Freed does plenty, especially when she uses her position on the state cabinet to serve as the official burr under the governor's butt. She's gotten under his skin on many occasions. Former Florida Senator and current NASA Administrator Bill Nelson delivers a State of the Space Agency speech with a little help from William Shatner. Captain Kirk himself, to inspire you all to boldly go into the future. I want to congratulate uh, Bill Nelson as NASA's new administrator. We're all delighted. Uh, that he's here. In the aftermath of the 2020 election and the GOP campaign to limit voting, there is a new campaign in Florida to add the Fair Elections for Democracy amendments to the state constitution. They'll make it easier to vote. It's kind of clear that we have a difference in philosophy here about whether we ought to be having more people to vote or less. I think, uh, and a lot of other people think, we ought to be making it easier for people to vote, especially when and let me just say this right now, this we don't have this voter fraud issue that some people like to throw up as a red herring. We don't have that here in Florida. Sean Shaw with a group called People Over Profits talks about those three amendments today on the Sunrise interview. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man who tried to avoid animal cruelty charges for killing an iguana by claiming he was only standing his ground. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, June 3rd. This is National Egg Day, National Chocolate Macaroon Day, National Moonshine Day, World Cider Day, and World Bicycle Day. On this date in 1539, an expedition led by Spanish conquistador Hernando de Soto arrived in Florida, somewhere between Tampa Bay and Charlotte Harbor. He promptly claimed the land for Spain. Now, one year later on this date, he became the first European to cross the Appalachian Mountains. In 1943, a mob of 60 from the Los Angeles Naval Reserve Armory beat up everyone they thought was Hispanic. That started a week-long event called the Zoot Suit Riots. In 1949, the first African-American graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy. His name, Wesley Anthony Brown. In 1959, the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs graduated its first class of cadets. On this date in 1989, the Tiananmen Square massacre began as Chinese troops opened fire on pro-democracy supporters in Beijing. And on this date two years ago, Donald Trump began a visit to the UK by calling London's mayor a stone-cold loser after the mayor had said that Trump's language was that of a 20th century fascist. 
The state health department reported 1,234 new cases of COVID Wednesday and 56 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 37,665. Across the state, some 1,842 people are hospitalized with COVID. That's an increase of 232 in one day. 10,365,000 Floridians have now been vaccinated against the virus. About 2 million of them are still waiting for their second shot. Ron DeSantis travels to New Smyrna Beach to sign the largest budget in state history. It started out at $101.5 billion, but the governor vetoed $1.5 billion worth of projects, so it ended up at about $100 billion. This budget responsibly supports our men and women in law enforcement, our K-12 education students and teachers, uh, conserves and protects our great environmental and natural resources uh, throughout the state of Florida. Uh, but does so in a way that has the lowest per capita tax burden of any state in the country and that has what will probably be $10 billion in reserve, which will be about 10% uh, of the overall budget. And so you would have said that a year ago, no one would have believed that that would have been possible. Um, and yet here we are, and part of the reason we, we were here it's because we've had good stewards in the legislature who are um, who spend conservatively uh, and responsibly, uh, but also the fact that Florida has schools open, businesses open, and people having a right to work. That has made all the difference. The governor ended up vetoing one of his own pet projects, but he really didn't have much choice. DeSantis proposed and the legislature agreed to use federal COVID cash to create a billion-dollar emergency response fund to help deal with future disasters. But it turns out the money cannot be used that way, so the governor had to veto his own idea. So our vetoes were um, about $1.5 However, the vetoes here are mostly, the lion's share of it is the federal money that was going to go to our new emergency response fund. And I called for the creation of that. The legislature did it. I think it's a great idea. The problem is between the time I called for it and the, and, and the legislature passed it and the present, the federal government issued uh, guidance on how you could use the funds. They said you can't use it for the purpose that we wanted to use it for, to, to create a fund to meet needs in the future. And so because of that, if we were to go forward with it, we were going to run into risk of having the feds uh, come after us for it. We also functionally just wouldn't have been able to use it effectively because of having to go through the normal procurement and not being able to do uh, in the emergency posture. So we had to veto that billion dollars. Now that money will then go and effectively be repurposed for all the other federal money that's been spent. We only got half of the money up front and what the federal government did. They do whatever they can to hurt states like Florida and to help states that were locked down. So if you're a locked down state with high unemployment, you got more money than your per capita basis. If we had lower unemployment, Florida got a lot less than our per capita allotment would be. Even more, even more they do 100% disbursement to the high unemployment states. They only disperse 50% of the funds right now to the low unemployment states. So we have a situation in Florida where we're supposed to get, I think, $8.8 billion. We're only getting $4.4 billion off the top. By me vetoing this, that goes into basically the $4.4 billion. So I think we're going to end up being able to meet the needs because the legislature left a couple billion on the table they didn't even touch. Uh, but it's interesting how that works. 
So the federal funds, when we vetoed that, were vetoing it because the subsequent guidance that came out uh, made it clear to us that it was untenable to use the funds in those situations. I just want to make clear, though, I do think having an emergency response fund separate from general revenue is a good idea. So we're going to work with the legislature, maybe see what we can do in this next upcoming legislative session. Uh, but for now, uh, we're just not on solid footing, unfortunately. And the governor vetoed another $300 million that had been set aside in the budget stabilization fund for basically the same reason. It violated the rules for using federal COVID relief dollars. The governor also vetoed more than 140 line items in the budget to eliminate a long list of projects, including $150,000 to provide counseling for survivors of the Pulse nightclub mass shooting and $750,000 to provide housing for gay and transgender youths who are homeless. Pulse survivor Brandon Wolf of Equality Florida says the governor has essentially declared war on Florida's LGBTQ community. On Tuesday, Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed announced she would be running for governor, saying Florida's political system is rigged and corrupt and she wants to break it. Freed is the only Democrat holding statewide office in Florida, and as a member of the state cabinet, she has been a constant thorn in the side of the governor. So DeSantis responded to her announcement pretty much the way you would expect. Look, I think, you know, here's what I'd say. Um, you know, Nikki Freed has done nothing in office. She does nothing. All she does is emote on social media, virtue signal to small dollar donors in California and New York. She put her face, spent millions of dollars to put her face on every gas pump across this, this state purely to boost her own image at your expense as a taxpayer. She's a lockdown lobbyist. She would have had our kids locked out of school the whole year. She would have had this business shuttered for the whole year. They would be out of business if Freed were, were governor. So she's opposed us at every turn. Um, all the good stuff we've been able to accomplish for Florida, she opposes it. And um, I've done more, I think, in my first week as governor than she's yes. done in her entire time as agriculture commissioner. Freed thinks she can win a showdown with DeSantis, but first she has to survive the Democratic primary. Governor DeSantis and the state attorney general, Ashley Moody, are asking a judge to reject a legal challenge to a new law aimed at cracking down on protesters. Both filed motions at the federal court in Orlando, seeking dismissal of the lawsuit filed last month by Black Lives Matter of Tampa and the Lawyers Matter Task Force. This is one of two lawsuits challenging the constitutionality of House Bill 1, which was one of the most controversial issues of the legislative session. Florida's Secretary of State wants a federal judge to toss out a challenge to a new election law that puts new restrictions on voting by mail. The lawsuit was filed by the Florida State Conference of the NAACP, Disability Rights Florida, and Common Cause. They claim the law violates the U.S. Constitution, the Federal Voting Rights Act, and the Americans with Disabilities Act. But the motion filed on behalf of Secretary of State Laura Lee calls it a shotgun complaint that does not properly spell out the allegations against the new law. It goes on to say Lee should not even be a defendant in the case. Two other lawsuits have been filed against the new law, sometimes known as Senate Bill 90. That election law has also inspired a campaign to add three new amendments to the state constitution. The ACLU, the Florida Alliance, and a group called People Over Profits have teamed up to sponsor what they call the Fair Elections for Democracy Amendments. Sean Shaw with People Over Profits says they offer a common-sense approach to safeguarding elections, putting voters first, and removing barriers for working families. We're trying to make it easier for people to participate in democracy, right? To make voting more accessible. You know, if voting is more accessible, I think that'll better serve all Floridians. Laws will be better, will reflect the will of the people. And every eligible American, we think, deserves to have their voice counted. So that's why we are putting 
uh, a whole bunch of effort and got to raise a bunch of money for these three amendments. Now, let's go through the three amendments one at a time. First of all, there's the voter registration method for eligible Floridians. What would that do? That is essentially uh, commonly known as the automatic voter registration. So anytime you do business with the Department of Motor Vehicles, you would be registered to vote unless you opt out. So right now, it kind of is if you interact with the Division of Motor Vehicles, you have to opt in. So now you would be automatically registered unless you opt out. So it would just switch it from an opt-in to an opt-out system. Uh, you know, it would ensure the military members and other who travel a lot keeps their registration information up to date. Um, and it would likely add, uh, I think the number is, I'm looking at it, 300,000 more voters every year and nearly 270,000 additional votes cast each election cycle. Okay, next up we have the register and vote amendment. That's the same day sort of service, right? Right. 21, 21 states in D.C. already do it. So um, it would allow new Florida residents and those who have never been registered to register immediately and vote during the early vote period on or uh, before or on Election Day itself. That we think it will add about 780,000 more votes would be cast each, each election cycle. And then the third one is the Voter Eligibility Restoration Amendment. I presume that's sort of closing the loop on Amendment 4? Bingo. That's kind of the Amendment 4 fix. So it would it would make it clear that fees and fines do not get in the way of your ability to vote, but it would still require those fees and fines to be dealt with, to be paid. Uh, it wouldn't get in the way of that, but it would just not prevent you from being able to register to vote. And I guess the question right now is, why do you have to go the amendment route, which is extremely complex and extremely expensive in Florida? The best example is the people passed Amendment 4 those years ago to restore the rights of our returning citizens. And the legislature is the one that kind of uh, said that the fees and fines needed to be included. So the legislature, uh, even when we pass things we think are great, they tend to not implement them the way it appears that the people intended to have them implemented. And I'm not sure under this iteration of the legislature that you could pass anything resembling uh, automatic voter registration and same-day voter registration. So we're going this route, and we're taking it right to the people. Uh, and hopefully they'll agree that the more people that get to vote, the better it is for our democracy. Now, these voting restrictions didn't just happen overnight. Uh, take me back over the past 20 years when Republicans have been in control in Tallahassee. Do you sense that they are trying to deliberately make it a lot harder for folks to vote? I mean, I don't sense it. It is that's exactly what's going on. It, it, you know, it appears, one, uh, they are clearly wanting to make it more difficult to go through the citizen initiative process itself, right? They've consistently raised the number you have to get pie to get it in the amendment, to get it on the Constitution. They're now uh, limiting the amount of money you can raise to gather the signatures. Uh, there's other ways that they're trying to make it harder for you to get on the ballot uh, via the initiative route. Uh, and then this year, there were some voter restrictions. And uh, it's just it's kind of clear that we have a difference in philosophy here about whether we ought to be having more people to vote or less. I think uh, and a lot of other people think we ought to be making it easier for people to vote, especially when. And let me just say this right now, this we don't have this voter fraud issue that likes to get uh, some people like to throw up as a red herring. We don't have that here in Florida. One of the one of the things we do in Florida well we don't do lots well, but one thing we do well here is we're able to conduct elections uh, in a way that is, is fair. And most people think it is conducted in a way that is uh, is credible. So we don't have this voter fraud issue. And uh, we certainly think that opening it up and making it easier for people to register to vote and being able to cast their ballot is good. 
Of course, it's also very difficult now, and uh, they've made it harder yeah. to put these amendments on the ballot. What are the challenges for your group right now? Money, money and money. I mean, we've got to raise 15 to $20 million total for these three amendments. You've got to raise the money to pay for the some petitions to be gathered and signed and for this the lawyers to go to the Florida Supreme Court to get approval and to get on the ballot. This is an enormously uh, expensive endeavor, but uh, democracy is worth it, and this is we intend to do this. We intend to raise the money. There is certainly momentum and interest in this, considering that not only was Florida one of the states to implement some of these voter restriction laws, but Texas uh, tried to do it and the Democrats had to walk out. Georgia did it and some other states around the country have enacted some of these laws and people are watching and people understand, like, you know, let's just have an election fair. Your ideas versus mine. That's how elections you would hope would be conducted. But that's not what's going on. It appears that those in power are just trying to make it so that some people are disincentivized to vote or can't vote or it's harder for them to vote uh, so that uh, the people that they think will vote for them will have a bigger voice. And that's just not that's not that's not okay. And am I correct in assuming that you had to split this into three separate amendments because of the single subject rule? Yes. Okay. Otherwise, this could have been just one omnibus bill if the legislature had been inclined to pass something like that. Uh, it could have. I, some of these things do, you know, some of these are, it's easier to, well, I should say easier. It's legally easier to do it this way because putting it into the Constitution, we can we can change that without having to do all the statutory things that the legislature would have to do, one. But two, the answer to your question is yes. <laughs> is there a, a sugar daddy out there who's going to step in once you get to a certain point, once you pass the limits for that $3,000 We hope limit? there are sugar daddies, sugar mamas, sugar uncles, sugar aunties. We we are we're going out. We are raising money. I've been, I have spoken to various donors, and we're trying to get uh, excitement. And we've got to raise a lot of money. It's myself and the ACLU and the Alliance. We're all kind of leaning on our funders and relationships to to start this process. But that is what we're engaged in right now. This is a fundraising operation as it stands right now. You can learn more about the Fair Elections for Democracy amendments at FairElectionsFL.com. Former Florida Senator and current NASA Administrator Bill Nelson delivers his very first State of the Space Agency speech. America has always had a frontier. At the beginning of our country, that frontier was westward. Now that frontier is upward and it's out into the cosmos. It is a part of our DNA to be explorers, adventurers, that's in our DNA as Americans. And we will continue to push the boundaries of space exploration. But the highlight of that speech was a guest appearance by none other than William Shatner of the original Star Trek TV series. And I'm thrilled now to have a special treat for you because it's a special guest, Captain Kirk himself, to inspire you all to boldly go into the future. I want to congratulate uh, Bill Nelson as NASA's new administrator. We're all delighted uh, that he's here. Why does NASA exist? Why do we exist? Why does life exist upon this strange and lonely planet? How did we arrive and for what reason? An age-old question, one that each of us at one time or another has asked. Each time, the universe responds with silence. NASA stands before that silence 
and probes that mystery. We stand with NASA in response to the incredible miracle of impossible life on an insensate world. We move back to a moon that we wish we had never deserted. We move onward to Mars to establish a base and then a community and finally a miniature civilization on its enigmatic soil. We do it because NASA has realized that the universe, which extends for billions of light years in all directions, is meaningless unless, unless what? Unless there are observers and caretakers of that stunning interstellar display, the universe demands to be noticed, to be seen and dutifully noted. The purpose of life on Earth is to see, to know, and to tell what the cosmos has to offer. Without us, human beings, without NASA, the universe would be unseen, unknown, untouched. So NASA in the coming years will be chief witness and we as fellow observers, celebrants to the cause, can NASA do this? Can we run tandem with NASA and live forever or a million years, whichever comes first? We can, we will, we must. For you history buffs, it was 52 years ago today, in 1969, that the final episode of Star Trek aired on NBC. Your calendar of events, the trustees at Florida A&M meet at 8.30. The Northeast Florida Regional Council meets at 10 in Jacksonville. The Florida Supreme Court releases opinions at 11. At noon, the Sarasota Tiger Bay Club hosted a discussion about the legislative session featuring State Senator Joe Gruders and State Representatives Will Robinson, Fiona McFarland, Tommy Gregory, and James Buchanan. Judy Monroe, the president and CEO of the CDC Foundation, speaks to the Economic Club of Florida at noon in Tallahassee. And trustees of the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind meet at 2 in St. Augustine. Finally today, a Florida man accused of animal cruelty for the way he killed an iguana tried to beat the charges by claiming he is protected by the Stand Your Ground law. Prosecutors say they have a 30-minute surveillance video showing 43-year-old P.J. Patterson savagely beating, tormenting, kicking, and torturing the iguana before he killed it. But he claims the reptile was the aggressor and that he feared for his life. A Palm Beach County judge did not buy the self-defense argument and decided Patterson is not entitled to Stand Your Ground immunity, so he's still charged with animal cruelty. State law does allow you to kill iguanas, but it has to be done humanely. That's it for this installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.